What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Central Virginia Sport Performance Podcast. I am Jay DeMeo here today, getting to catch up with the one and only Zach Dakin. Zach, fired up to have you as part of the seminar this summer, bro. I'm great. It's great to see you, and yeah, I'm so glad I, you're doing well. I, I'm actually really, really excited to present at the uh, seminar this summer because I think it's the best thing going um, educational wise. It's something that I have watched many a time on the Strength Coach Network, the um, the old ones. And honestly, I am absolutely honored to be at a seminar that somebody like Anatoly Bondarchuk and, and Natalia Verkashansky, people like that presented at. I am honored. So I appreciate it. Well, I'm stoked to have you up here, man. It's a great time. We're going to have a blast. Uh, there may or may not be some packing material sent down for you to send up some of that that famous salsa for the barbecue for the night uh for friday night but uh but yeah man i'll get some pickles uh get some pickles and uh salsa shipped up yeah maybe some beer too i make my own beer at times no way yeah that's awesome man I, i i tried that once and to say i tried is like like it makes the product that came out makes like participation trophies look like a stretch for what I should have been given. Ah. It was repulsive. I've, <laughs> I've never failed worse at anything in my whole life. Uh, tasted like sweaty feet. It just, it was like, oh, I don't even know what to call it. Like it wasn't. It, and you know what? Like I, I love the people that make it around here. Like we, we're really lucky in Richmond to have like a lot of cool, high quality, you know, people in that industry. But man, do they have more of my respect than anything after my yeah. my C minus attempt at best at trying to do that. Like it's just, it's not like people think it's just like, ah, oh, you just boil some stuff and you stick it in a bucket and you leave right. it. Like, okay. That's right. <laughs> nope. Yeah. Yeah. So my dad's best friend, actually, uh, he started homebrewing, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago when I was getting through high school, early college and built his own brewery and ended up being, he ended up winning world medals for his beer. And that's kind of how I got into it was he would give me hops and kind of just the interest was created there. Right. And so when he first started, he would bring beer over. I wasn't of age, but my dad, his friends would all sit out in the shop. You know, we had a foosball table, ping pong table, and they would drink the beer. And sometimes he would screw it up. He would clean it. He would clean the stuff because in beer making, you have to have stuff really, really clean. And he would mess up and clean it with too much bleach. He'd bring his uh his his new beer over and it would taste just like bleach. <laughs> and but they would drink it. They would drink every drop. Why? Because it was beer. We're 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 not gonna waste a drop, right? Um, so that's kind of where my interest came from. He would give me hops. He had all these specialized hops and and would kind of tell me the process. And so I started experimenting and and uh over the years I've made a few different beers and you know. Now that I have a little one, the beer making is going to be put on the uh, on the closet shelf. So, yeah, well, that's that's obviously a big change, but also there's been a title change and some things moved around out of there at TCU for you, man. That's pretty rad. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, this summer uh, became the assistant athletic director of sports performance, and um, really kind of uh, overseeing a little bit of the Olympic side. We're going to split the football and the Olympic side a little bit. 
And um, we were previous to that, the only power five schools that didn't have a separate department. And so everybody in one way room and everybody for the most part until we ex yeah, expanded our staff worked football as well. So um, yeah, exciting stuff as, uh, as uh, you know, I, I go into what, 15 or 16 years here at TCU. Longevity is a good thing though, man. You know, it, it's growing roots and having a place that's yours and all of that, I think is something that all too often, especially like, you know, younger coaches, I think we probably get a little caught up in that too much, but I think that even people that have been around for a while, I think that it's always too much about what's next instead of finding ways to make where you're at better than you can, you know? Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I mean, I, what I tell my wife is we're not going to chase happiness. If, if we're happy, then that's where we're going to stay. And that's really how we felt here. And, and uh, we're not going to try to, to go with money and chase happiness somewhere else. So if we've got it here, let's stay with it. No doubt, man, no doubt. But, you know, you guys had a great season too. And, you know, things are obviously going well down there. So let's catch ourselves up too. So what are some new things going on with Zach down there? What are some things that you're dabbling into with the guys? Uh, right now, um, we're actually, one of the big things that we're in is is resisted sprint training. You know, I did a bunch of stuff with uh, Sprint Timber and, and and Tuck there at Villanova and obviously Kier at Strength Coach Network. We put out a bunch of information on that. Had my interns diving in and doing um, presentations and, and whatnot on on um, on different things with sprinting. And and so right now with our baseball guys, we're micro-dosing resisted sprints during our fall season. Fall season usually lasts seven weeks. I think it's 30 practices over 45 days. And so we get a ton of running, obviously. You know we do in, in, in all of our sports. Our GPS tells us that. I just microdose resisted sprint work, basically three to four reps every couple of days um, over 10 to 15 yards. And that's, that's really it. That's the start of our workout. We load velocity profile these guys so we know what load they should be at. And, um, and so that's, that's what we've uh, kind of been diving into in the last, I, I guess, month or so because of sprint timber and, and we'll see what happens. We did it last year with, uh, with our guys and had excellent, excellent results. And so I'm excited to see what's, uh, what's going to come about with, we're planning on eight weeks. We're three weeks in right now. So that's one of the new things that we're, uh, that we've been playing around with in the last, I guess, two years. Now, when you say you had excellent results, what are some of the things you saw out of the guys? So we, uh, as far as all of our sprints, we time them all. We've got a free lap timing system. So everything we do is timed. So the first four weeks, we use that kind of as our reintroduction to training um, because guys are out playing summer ball. So our acceleration work is always timed. After that four weeks, we can load profile, load velocity profile these guys with our chains. And we use chains for resisted sprints and not sleds. The chains give us such a better, more even pull. You know, if you've ever sprinted with a sled, you take off those, excuse me, those first two steps are like, it's like being jerked by a car, right? And the sled kind of jumps on you and then you kind of have to catch yourself. And the, the thing we, we love about change is there's not that, that jerk at all. It's very, very even and very smooth. So um, once we get out of that, uh, that reintroduction period, we'll load velocity profile with those chains and we'll set a 50% decrement. So right now it's just standard. Uh, pure power for us is going to be a 50% decrement over that 10 yard span. 
we'll read time over the course of these eight weeks and then the uh, four weeks following that. And that's where we see improvements. We'll see last year we had, I think out of, you know, 16 position players, I think 15 of 16 went up with statistic, uh, statistically significant decreases in speed. I shouldn't say went up, got faster. What about, what do you see with your guys in the bump? Like when you're looking at the metrics, cause they're, I mean, not, they never stop throwing. So yeah. what do you see with this sort of general work for them? Do you see any specific transfer? So as far as the pitchers, our pitchers don't do any of the resisted sprint stuff. They're not okay. doing any of that. Um, what we're doing with them is right now we're on the force decks. We've been looking at some of the metrics that we've been looking at peak power, um, and peak vertical force in the uh, isometric mid-thigh pole, we're not using the, the mid-thigh pole, we're actually using a belt squat. Um, so we're looking at those two metrics as well as uh, concentric peak force, I should say, in, in uh, the CMJ and concentric impulse. And I've got a sports scientist that one of our former players is helping with some of the data. And really what we're finding is, is strong, powerful guys just throw harder, right? It shouldn't be, that shouldn't be um, foreign to us, but with rotation, and this is something that we can get into in, in a little bit down the road here in one of your questions, with rotation, it's the summation of force and it's the summation of the pelvis and the, you know, the torso, the trunk to the arm. It's all those summations of force that create velocity. And so if you don't move really, really well and have this great kinematic sequence of summation of force all the way up the chain, then you can get around that by being really fast, really strong, and really athletic. That's what we're seeing, right? So we all know that there's guys like, uh, you know, Chris Sale, who can throw a 98-mile-an-hour fastball, and he, you know he doesn't squat one time his body weight, probably. He's 175 pounds, and he's just a whip. There's guys like that, but... If you're big, fast, strong, and athletic, you can get away with some of those compensations and still have uh, produced force into a baseball, right? I know. Novel it's a bunch, idea. A bunch, of, a bunch of random stuff, I know. <laughs> Novel idea, too, though, right? Like, if you, if you have the general, you know, qualities <laughs> to be able to have major outputs, those outputs tend to find a way to... right. If you have the outputs, you can have compensations and breakdowns in your technique. If you don't have the output and you don't have the ability to be, you know, a freak athlete, then you better move really, really well and create impulse at the right time. I mean, that's every sport, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the ability for the exceptions to the rule to be the exceptions of the rule is there's there's reasons behind that. It's not just because. Oh, well, someone, you know, they just got touched by the hand of God and their shoulder can internally rotate faster. It's like, it's right. just not like that. Like, you know, like, like you said, like, even if you looked at a guy like Lincecum, like back in the day, right? Like skinny, smaller guy who just whips his whole body in there and is just throwing straight gas. Like, yeah, you know, it's, you, you either have that projection all the way through each aspect of the chain or you know you can be somebody like Bartolo Colon who can put 250 behind the ball yeah. and 
look out, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's all a sport. Everything you do is, 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 some, is some part of that, some form of that, right? Oh, yeah, and it's, it's every sport too, right? Like, you know, there's a reason people look at Kevin Durant so uniquely because he's so different. You know, at seven, one, two, as long as he is to be able to play like a point guard, like, yeah. you know, there's a reason. And he, was, and he was a guy that got stapled by 185 pounds at the combine, wasn't he? Yeah. And it was a big, big to do about that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Nobody you cares know. now. Nobody cares. No, no. But again, though, like you look at somebody in the same sense, like Giannis, right, who you could make a legitimate argument that as he has gotten bigger and stronger, has developed into more and more of a dominant player in the league. Yeah. You know, but again, it's if you have those specific skills like a Kevin Durant, you may not necessarily need it. Whereas if your game was more like Giannis's, maybe you do. I mean, again, that's obviously no shot against guy who basically single-handedly willed the team to the NBA championship, you know, like, I mean, the guy's special, but yeah, like if the outputs are there, there's more leniency and techniques and things for there to be leaks because there's, I mean, let's be honest too. There might need to be leaks. Exactly. I mean, the, the best athletes in the world are the greatest compensators. If you want the truth, we see, I mean, we've thrown guys in our motion capture lab and, it seems like I talk about the motion capture lab more on your podcast than any podcast we ever do. And you, you don't even have anything to do with baseball, but we've seen guys inside the motion capture lab, the mocap that you're like, how the hell are you able to throw a baseball? If you look at it on paper, you're like, what the hell is going on here? How does your, your trunks peeking before your pelvis or whatever the case, this is completely wrong. And y'all throw the baseball very, very, very well. It's, Crazy stuff like that happens. The best athletes are the best compensators. Yep. And I think too, though, when we talk about those things, that's one of the things that I think that we kind of get in our way uh, a little bit too often with when it comes to what we do, right? Because it's like, oh, well, you know, this person, they may, their sequence may be off or they may be pushing a little more this way than that way. And then it's like, okay, so does correcting that possibly increase longevity? Does it increase robustness? Does it increase outputs? Or is maybe the uniqueness of how they do it what actually allows them to be an outsider and stand out and have these amazing outputs? Right. Yeah, and that goes back to to the strengths versus weaknesses, right? We... This is what I talked to our interns about with some of our force plate data. Just because this says this athlete needs more strength on a DSI, you know, he's very, very, very elastic, dominant, or whatever you want to call it, and he needs more maximal strength, we may take away the quality of his elasticity by chasing maximal strength when we're actually hurting the kid, you know? So you have to have context behind everything, and you're absolutely right. You can't just chase weaknesses. You know, sometimes the strength is what makes them great. And by chasing those weaknesses, you eliminate the strength and eliminate what makes them great. Yeah. And I think that to be able to understand those things is, is something that 
all too often, I think that that's probably one of the, the moments in my career where I was just kind of like one of those learning spots where it's like, I thought I had some answers, but yeah, that's wrong. Like, and it's wrong, not in a sense that it's never right. It's wrong in a sense that it's not always right, right? Like there may be some imbalances that you look for that aren't, as I uh, talked with Mike Wadango earlier today, and we were joking like about functional hypertrophy. Like we've been, we've been in the game long enough to know kind of what that's supposed to mean, even though we don't really know what it means because it doesn't really mean anything, right? Right. But like, there's functional adaptations to sport where people think, well, all asymmetries are bad, and maybe to a point they they get to the point at some point where they are bad. Where, you know, like Mike talked about a golfer whose, you know, shoulder was so dinged up that, you know, she couldn't move her head, right? Like, yeah, that's probably a bad thing. Or, you know, you brought up Dr. Bondarchuk, like, he, he walks, like, he can't move one of his hips from all the blocking over and over. Like, yeah, like, you probably, when you're getting to that point, you probably want to look at addressing things so that there isn't long-term problems and continued issues and health and blah, blah, blah. There's a big difference between health and performance. Yeah. And some of those corrections are going to mess up, you know, like I'm pretty sure that if we really worked on like how Clemens pushed off his left foot instead of his right foot, it wouldn't really matter much because he was throwing 95, 97, 99, 101, you know, like working on the, the extension of Randy Johnson's plant foot probably would have been a waste of time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, there's natural adaptations to sport, right? You, you see it everywhere. Baseball is, is an interesting beast and golf one-sided asymmetrical sports. So you're going to see those natural adaptations because they take a thousand swings a day. You don't think your body's going to change and, and adapt to what you're doing to make it more efficient. It's, that's what the body's job is, is to be so efficient that it doesn't die, essentially. Adapt to the environment. Yeah. And it's, I think it's something that we try to put our thumb on a little too much instead of get out of the way and be like, all right. Now, we also probably go a little too far the other way also, you know, when it's like, oh, we got to mimic this, that, and the third. And I've definitely been guilty of that. But I think what all of this comes back to is, you know, the idea of mistakes and things that we've kind of banged our heads with, you know, or stubbed our toes or whatever we want to call it. So I think that that's a great lead into the first question, you know, the big three, Zach. But first, this portion of the podcast is brought to you by Eccentric. Eccentric is the world leader in flywheel technology, and this year is celebrating 10 years of being just that. The addition of the Eccentric K-Box and K-Pulley to both our return to sport and general physical preparation programs have had immense positive effects on our athletes. For more information or check out the awesome catalog of products that Eccentric provides, hop on over to Eccentric.com today and make sure you let them know that CVASPs sent you. I think that this is one we've talked about quite a few things, so I'm excited to actually hear where this goes because there's, when it comes to our conversations, this could go like even outside of our field, which, which is always fun. But what are some mistakes that you see? Well, let's, let's keep to one that strength coaches make, whether it be in the U.S. or the wor- around the world. And, and what do you think we can do better 
to help decrease the impact of those mistakes? Yeah, I mean, the one thing that uh, comes to mind, I've been writing a presentation for the upcoming uh, Strength Coach Fundamentals course, which the second, I guess, second part of uh, the fundamentals course here, and it's it's uh, on rotational power development. And to me, one of the big mistakes that I see in the weight room a lot is we are sagittal plane beasts. Everything we do is is Sir Isaac Newton. It's, it's all built around gravity, which rightly so, that's how you have to lift weights in a way, right? But at the same time, we, I think strength coaches need to think outside the box more because sport doesn't happen in the sagittal plane. It happens multi-planar. It's multi-segmental. You know, it's it's so outside the box from what we typically and traditionally do in the weight room. And I, I'm not saying we can't do squats and we can't do our RDLs and your, your bench press and all those types of things, but there is still, we're leaving a lot of meat on the bone, in my opinion, in what we can do with some of the rotational training and even non-rotational sports, you know, people talk about, well, rotational sport, of course, baseball and, and golf and tennis, those are rotational sports that you need to do rotational work for the rest of, you know, what would we do rotation for rugby? Rugby has plenty of rotation in it. You ever seen them throw underhand, throw the ball? That's rotational. Soccer. Soccer is the same thing as baseball, except where, where you're actually applying force into an object, it's just on the other end. It's the exact same thing. The shoulders have to counter-rotate to give anchor so that the pelvis can end up rotating and kick a ball, to anchor the pelvis so that you can kick a ball. Um, the same thing happens with baseball, but the other way around. The shoulders work around an anchored pelvis. Um, and so non-rotational sports have huge components of rotation in it as well. And so I think it's it's I think that's one of the big things I see is that we get too stuck in sagittal plane mindset, box jumps, plyometrics, everything's very linear, very, very uh, sagittal plane dominant. And I think we get too stuck in that mindset of of uh, not making things multi-segmental and, and uh, multi-planar, honestly. And, and sometimes it's due to equipment. You know, people don't have access to cable machines and, um, you know, versipulleys. I think versipulleys and the, and the K-pulley, those things, I think, I think those things should be in every weight room. I don't have one, but that's the one thing that I want more than anything. Um, Kaiser, I, I love Kaiser machines to, uh, to create some... Uh, rotational power it gives you an output it's got a smooth um uh curve as far as you know force application goes so maybe it's due to that but i really think that strength coaches have to open their mind a little bit and just get out of the straight the straight ahead uh sagittal plane stuff you know well and i think that it's probably safe to say that that's just about every sport other than i mean even track and swimming right because whenever you change direction there's a rotational component to it but mm -hmm. we also know that sprinting albeit it's not massive but there is still a rotational component to it like you don't yeah if there's only I been one it. person that's really run fast straight up and down where it looked like they weren't rotating their shoulders and michael johnson was unbelievable yeah but life is rotational life is rotational and i've talked about the spinal engine before and how you know the uh the the spine actually oscillates the pelvis and that's what moves the legs 
Um, I've posted a video several times and it's in my uh, strength coach network presentation. They uh, took a, a guy with no appendages. He was born with no arms and no legs and the man could still walk. They took a video of him basically from his waist up. He still walks like a normal human being because it's spinal oscillation. It's the pelvis oscillating that actually moves the uh, legs and not, we're not, we're not legs with blocks of body stacked on top of legs and the legs move us. Everything comes from the middle. It's proximal to distal, just like all of our training should be. And um, it's that spinal engine and that oscillation and everything that we do. Every aspect of sport is that. Charlie Francis even talked about this in his, in his, uh, in one of his old books. I don't remember which one it was that if you don't let the pelvis oscillate, you're actually cutting distance off of each stride. And so Joel Smith, another guy that talks about the pelvis has to oscillate in the sprints. Um, and track coaches, he said, forever have, have taught to keep a stiff pelvis and to be very rigid against rotation. And you don't want any rotation. Everything's very linear. But that's not how the human body works whatsoever. Everything we do, running, cutting, anything, swinging, it's all reciprocal movement. Um, from the pelvis to the opposite, opposite shoulder. When you walk, you're closing those gaps, right? You're closing pelvis to opposite shoulder and the head rotates away from that. So it's all reciprocal movement in every single thing that we do. I dig that, man. I think that that's something that, you know, a lot of us, I mean, me, definitely, I'm 100% pointing the thumb here. Like something that I need to be better with is not just incorporating that, because I think that a lot of us also have kind of our, um, I don't know, like, what do I want to call this? Like your go-tos or your fallbacks when it comes to things like that, where like, you'll hear somebody talk about, you know, rotation, and then you'll, you'll look at your programming and be like, ah, oh, yeah. And then you'll put in like the three med ball throws that you yeah. do. Or the or Russian like, twists. <laughs> yeah. Or That's like the, old... the one right like or like the one like standing row that you'll do with people or whatever and i think that that's something that we all can expand a little bit on i mean there's uh, so much there's so much you can do so much with and i'm not making money off this but like a versa pulley or a k pulley or something like that with overloaded eccentrics there's so much you can do um in rotational patterns that include split stances where it's, it's like a basketball player creating shin angle to, to cut a different direction. I mean, all those apply to really rotation as well as single leg strength and eccentric, you know, deceleration and, and all these different things. There's so much that you can do on some of these machines that we opt for the standard barbell and a standard cable machine when there's a lot of things out there that we could, I think, do a little bit better if you want the truth. The, and, and I'm going to talk about that, you know, that's, that's coming up on the presentation that, um, that we just touched on. It's not just med ball throws for rotational power development. We cover the entire load velocity spectrum um, with maximal and super maximal eccentric work like we just talked about. You create that maximal concentric and then it's going to bring you back with a, a, a supra on the eccentric and we go all the way down to strength, strength, speed with, you know, landmine stuff, um, Kaiser machine work, speed, strength, med ball throws, ballistic work. There's all kinds of ballistic work we can do with the barbell, actually, that I don't think people realize in, in 
the form of a landmine. So that'll be some of the stuff that, uh, that I'm working on right now. I love it, man. Especially if it can be things where you can get down and talk about progressions and regressions. So I think all too often, again, like we just get in a rut and we see like the one or two things that we like or know or have always been good to us. And that's where we stay. And at the end of the day, I think it gets us in trouble. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, I was, I'm, I'm the same way. I shouldn't say I'm no better than anybody else. I'm the exact same way I get in those ruts and, and we have our go-to med ball throws and, you know, um, and I came up believing that sagittal plane was everything, but, uh, I'm trying to adapt and trying to, uh, I guess get better. That's, that's where we're at, right? That's what we're all about. We're just trying to get better. hundred percent, man. And with that, I think that's a great lead in to the second question, you know, because as a guy who digs and is looking to, to help other people be better, the, it starts with the, with the person in the mirror, right? Making sure that you're doing things better and, and growing and continuing to do that. So when we're looking at, at ways to improve education, where do you feel like we can do better with that? And what are some like some practical ways that people can find ways to be better whether it be in or outside of the programming spectrum yeah i mean one of the best resources and i've already mentioned it several times but i think i think what Kier's done with strength coach network i i think that for a young strength coach is probably the best spot that you can go i actually had an intern yesterday that reached out to Kier, and they uh, he had posted i i believe his resume on uh, one of the forums and, and was getting professional career advice, you know? Um, so it's not just, it's not just the X's and O's of strength and conditioning and programming and this and that. It's, it's the deeper stuff that, that people go into on those forums and with money and personal development and career advice as far as interviews and all those things. I think he has a tremendous resource that, to be honest, every strength coach should be, should be a part of. I can appreciate that too, man. Cause I think that it's something that it's one of, it's probably my third year in a row that it's going to be one of my new year's resolutions and that's to be more involved on it. Um, but you know, you just get yeah sidetracked with all these other things. Yeah, man. You know, like you were saying, you guys had 50 last year. So I sound like so soft being like, I mean, we got 20 guys right now, you know, but it's like, you know, like we were talking about earlier, when you start to build systems and things like you, you know, how you have things moving about and there's different moving parts to all of these things, then all of a sudden, like adding 25% or 30% more people is, uh, it ties you down a little bit and it makes things a little more challenging, you know, and then, you know, add in that, you know, maybe running a second event might cause a little bit more stress and take a little more, <laughs> a little more time, but it's going to be rad. I'm fired up for Pittsburgh and I'm fired up for certain for what we're going to be doing down here in Richmond, Virginia, July 15th and 16th. So that'll be rad. Yeah, absolutely. Can't wait. Yeah, man. So then speaking of which, let me get you out of here with this, Zach. What can people expect from Zach Dakin at the seminar? So, you know, we touched on it earlier. For me, it's going to be about practical information. I, I don't necessarily know what I'm going to present on yet. But whatever I do, it will be loaded with practical information that that I personally utilize, that we utilize with our sport and our our, our athletes here at TCU. Because 
I want coaches to be able to go home and take something with them right away to see how somebody else programs it. Because that's, I really like that. I like seeing how other people think and how they put those, you know, the theories that people throw out there and all the, the uh, theoretical stuff with training. I like how people, or I like to see how people put that into action. That's, that's really kind of what I want to see. And, and maybe I take a few pieces away from that. And that's what I want coaches to be able to do. I want, I want practical advice or practical information in my presentation so that they can, they can see how I program things. They can see how I think, and then maybe take something home with them. You don't think it's going to be a lot of fun. And what the people do at the short pump Marriott, which is where we host the event now is last time we were there, they put out four or five dry erase boards during the, the social, but I think it's going to be really fun. And I'm going to, I'm going to kind of, throw Al and, and Dr. Petway in on this one. I would love to just sit there and be like, cause you know, Adam's sensational background in the biomechanics of basketball and it's Alver meal, right? Like, right. <laughs> it's, I don't think we need to get into much of that. Like it's coach for meal, right? Say no more. Yeah. And with what you're doing and how you break this down and just be like, go and just be like turn around and just be like listen everybody we're going to wait for 30 minutes before anybody says anything go yeah like, yeah. like let's talk should, this rotation a, thing and see like let's just, just see you should just set up a camera honestly you what, what we should do is just give the marker to albert meal and set up a camera and say go yeah that's what you sell right there i mean <laughs> who's not buying whatever that is I mean, I, I can't wait. And then, you know, you got somebody like Godango who's his great work up in New Jersey and has worked in, I think, just like with people in every major sport in the country now. Does awesome stuff when it comes to manual therapy and how he looks at things differently when it comes to building robustness through, you know, helping people get out of pain. You know, Jonas coming over to talk speed and all of those sort of things. I mean, it's, that'll be wild. And then of course, Allie Kirshner and like the past year that she's had when winning a national championship, you could argue that she probably was the most resilient coach in the country. I mean, they didn't even have a home for months. You know, they did everything on the road and she figured out a way to keep those women healthy and moving all the way through the national championship. And is now doing something completely different and killing it. So, yeah. you know, I mean, it's just, I couldn't be more excited, man. Like this lineup's rad. The, the one in Pittsburgh is, is freaking sensational as well. And I'm so happy and so glad that you could be part of it, bro. This is going to be a blast. Yeah, I'm excited. I, I, just exactly what you were talking about. I'm excited to just be in the room with some of the people that are coming. Yeah, it's going to be a blast, man. And I'm, I'm truly grateful for your time today, Zach. It's great to see you. I'm glad you're doing awesome, bro. And I, I can't wait to get you up here in Richmond in July. Yeah, I'm honored. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. Well, I appreciate it, brother. And we'll be in touch real soon.